You're listening to the Aggie Parent and Family Podcast, a podcast for parents and families of USU Aggies. Here we share practical advice from leading USU experts and students to help guide both you and your student in your journey at Utah State. My name is Isaiah Jones. I'm the Parent Program Coordinator at Utah State University. My name is Lauren Pack, and I'm a Sexual Assault Prevention Peer Educator for the Office of Equity. My name is Jody Goodman. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a Prevention Specialist in the Office of Equity. Well, thanks for joining us today, friends. Today, we're talking about difficult conversations, uh, discussing serious topics over the holidays. Why don't we just jump in here? What are some of the potentially difficult conversations that students may dread to have with their parents or parents might dread to have with their students or family members over the holidays? I'm not maybe saying this from experience, but parents can want to know a lot of different things about their student's life, how their classes are going, how their dating life is going. And these can be really awkward questions for students, especially if it's not going well, right? Even if it is going well, there are still kind of things you might not want to discuss with your parents and things that your parents might want to know, that kind of sphere. There can also be lots of like shame and embarrassment surrounding certain things that might have been going on at college. Boundaries and consent might have been violated in a dating sphere. Students might have been making choices that might have violated the run counter to religious cultural community traditions. And that can be really hard if you are asking your student questions about those sort of things. One thing I was thinking about is though I don't know for sure, this will be the most interesting break of all time and that we're doing it different at USU. Students have gone home for the most part. A lot happened. You know, (laughs) we almost feel like we left, came in August and so much has happened, at least here in the States, where I don't think we typically experience the world as so unpredictable and socially of the unrest and the Usually that's something that like goes on, but it's not at such a sort of magnified level. And I always make the joke that when I was a kid, my parents were like, who'd you vote for, man? And one, I didn't vote. So I don't know why they asked, but I I assumed that they were asking because if I did, and I'm like, I don't know, like Al Gore, George Bush, like who cares? Like what time are you coming over? But I think we can all feel like that there's definitely a huge difference and just like what all has happened and how we're all trying to make sense out of it. And so I, I could see that this time around the holidays is just preparing ourselves. Hopefully we're doing this safely. That's the other thing is this is the first Thanksgiving to my knowledge where we've had a lot of different guidance and rules. I can honestly say that two or three years ago, if you'd have been like, what were the CDC's guidelines of having an event? I'd have been like, what? Excuse me? Like, And now I'm like, well, Dr. Fauci says. So I think it's just going to be an interesting experience for all of us involved and maybe some relatives who, who couldn't make the trip. So I think that the possibility for this happening is maybe a little bit more likely. Jody, is there anything that you'd want to add to to that as far as kind of how we think about what a difficult conversation is? I know Lauren did a tremendous. Yeah, I mean, with the stresses of the public health crisis and the social unrest and classes going online, I'm sure that students are dealing with a lot of pressures that are unique to this year. And just parents being willing to have conversations about what's difficult for their students and what frustrations they have, just knowing that emotions are running high for a lot of people this year, even people who aren't dealing with specifically with sexual misconduct, just living through this year is difficult. So knowing that if someone has experienced trauma on top of just the trauma of living through a pandemic, that it's especially important this year to be able to reach out to students and make those connections. 
So how should parents go about bringing up these sorts of difficult topics related to could be sexual misconduct or prevention, or you alluded to a public health crisis or the social and political unrest? I know that for me, this has been the first time where I heard about this thing called things intersecting and all this, but this is the first time where I'm like, whoa, they're all very intertwined. And so it's almost impossible to talk about cousin Bert without also talking about the kind of lawn invitations he has. So I'd imagine that uh, if we, if these topics do come up, they're going to touch different areas of our, the rest of our social lives. Yeah. What are some of the ways that we parents and students can just go about this? There are definitely a few uh, things that we kind of talk about in our presentation, which is specifically geared towards sexual assault and misconduct. However, a lot of these can be geared toward politics or toward having some different family conversations regarding the public health crisis that we're currently in and stuff like that. You might want to like mention if your student has been like using derogatory language or if like a scene in a rom-com portrays stalking, stuff like that, where it's maybe a less high stakes situation where you can say, I heard this misogynistic comment to the store the other day and it really bothered me. What do you think about that? In those situations where something, you know, normal happens in life, you can talk about it, but maybe it's not directly related to your student. That can maybe bring up some different feelings maybe in the student that they've had while they're at school and that might kind of spark conversations about that. But also just don't talk about only the bad stuff. Talk about green flags in relationships. Talk about what you can learn from your parents' experiences as well. Because your parents are probably pretty experienced in life. So they might have had good experiences and bad experiences in relationships, and both of those should be shared with your student if you feel comfortable. That can kind of provide maybe a roadmap for students that are seeking relationships in the future and can kind of give them some advice for recognizing those bad signs as well as the good ones. We also have just a little note. I don't know if you can kind of include it in the notes of the podcast, but we have kind of report from Harvard that talks about why you should have these conversations with your students. It's a really, really good article to kind of look at as well. COVID also gives us a really good opportunity to normalize having conversations around boundaries and consent because the way that you need to plan a healthy Thanksgiving is to figure out what your risk level is and what you're okay with doing in terms of your physical boundaries. So we, so parents and families have a great opportunity to normalize having conversations around boundaries and supporting other people's boundaries with a positive attitude, even when it's really difficult and we all wish we weren't in the situation, we can still try to do some positive role modeling around talking about and respecting people's boundaries. Yeah, my goal this holiday season is just to really listen. Early on during the pandemic, I fell to the idea that I could know everything about someone by one of the labels that I knew from their about me or something on their Facebook or but I, what I've found is really listening with boundaries especially, you know, I'm going to have and so I think this will definitely be a year at least for me of just being more astute to really ask non-aggressive questions and then maybe even stating in advance if there's a particular topic I'd know could be potentially harmful, maybe setting out what the expectations are of that conversation before we get into it. Just having the expectations before we get into that. And if I notice any heat, just be like, you know what, let's let's come back to that. I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl, assuming that's is, uh, as intense as it could get, I'm sure. Are there any ideal environments to bring up these difficult subjects? You know, there might not be a specifically a right time to bring up these subjects, but there's definitely a better time. So finding that right time can include 
definitely privacy if you're sitting at dinner and you have all of your relatives and siblings and your parents say, hey Isaiah, who'd you vote for? Or I heard that your boyfriend was doing some sketchy things last weekend. What do you think about that? Obviously be really awkward, not only for you and your family, but you probably just won't get a good conversation out of that. Finding a time when you can be alone with your student or at least in a place where they feel safe, that can be really important for having that really good conversation. Also finding a time when you're not both distracted or maybe even stressed. If it is during the big game and it's during the fourth quarter, you don't want to say, hey, sexual assault, this is really important to talk about. That's probably not going to happen, right? If one of the teams is up by three and it's the last few seconds of the game, yeah, that's <laughs> probably not going to happen. And also just make sure that you're trying to do it in person as much as possible. In the hierarchy of things, you know, doing it face-to-face would be ideal. Preferably don't do it over tech. Zoom meetings, I guess, take yourself into a breakout room if you need to. Technology has definitely changed the way that we'll be doing things this year, but it doesn't mean that we can't have these really important conversations. Lauren, I was not aware that you did stand up as part of your side gigs as well as being involved in multiple things uh, here on campus. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Isaiah. The humor is also another way to have some of these difficult conversations. Obviously, there's a level of what's appropriate, right? Of like, what are they bringing up and how? And But I think sometimes being able to smile a little bit, especially as there's family running all over the place to, to show, hey, we can talk about this and maybe going back to the boundaries thing, but, but we're only going to a level three here, but we're not going to go into the subtleties of American law right now or something. I do think that this will be a really good year to practice all of this in real time time. I've only had one family gathering and it was so strange because it was the first time where it felt weird not to address the social <laughs> reality of what was going on. But it was it was strange because living in the, in the States for me, all these things were always going on, but it wasn't so palpable and you could cut it with a knife. And so more of us will find ourselves in situations that we might need a breakout room on Zoom. So thank you, Lauren, for that. Jody, is, that, is there anything that you'd want to add to that? Along with good humor, you know, parents have had experiences with dates that have gone wrong or breakups that haven't gone well, in addition to all the positive experiences that they've had that have created the family that they're celebrating with. So to talk both about those good and bad experiences that you've had as a person in the world humanizes you as a parent, which builds your relationship with your student as they transition to adulthood. And it also makes your student more comfortable sharing their experiences as an adult person dating. So opening yourself up in that way even if it's awkward, will encourage your student to embrace the awkwardness with you. Great points. So what would your biggest piece of advice be to parents to help them build trust and empathy with their student if these difficult conversations go poorly? Obviously, you look around the web and things like that. And a lot of times it's six ways to have a good conversation. And it's typically everyone is winning in the piece. But I'd imagine with a student body as large as ours in terms of quantity, someone's going to get in a conversation that's deeply uncomfortable, goes poorly, the sorts of questions that can be asked. Sometimes a question right off the bat can already be contentious. What would your biggest advice be for that situation? In our presentations, we frequently discuss the topic of bodily autonomy rights. These are rights that everybody has. They include the right to feeling safe, the right to clear and concise communication, and freedom from coercion and manipulation. All good things, right? Things we want in our lives, things we want want our children to have, and things that actually everyone in our lives does have. So we bring this up because in situations of sexual violence or abuse, these rights can be taken away. So when we do have these conversations with our students, whether they do be about something as serious 
or even life-threatening as sexual assault or violence, or even down to politics, we want to make sure that we're respecting the bodily autonomy rights of our students and of your children. There are a few things that kind of go into this, but it's important to just start by believing. After having faced something as serious as sexual assault or violence, a lot of people might be worried about being judged, especially if they do come from a family with traditionally more conservative values, considering, you know, like sexual relations and stuff like that. That can be really hard for them to want to talk about that with maybe kind of tradition, like traditional families. Attempting to tell your child that it's okay, that they're not at fault, that they can come to them and talk to a family member without being judged will kind of remove that barrier and it'll allow students to maybe decide what's best for them in that situation. Your student also may not want to talk about everything immediately and that's okay. That's within their bodily autonomy rights. If they don't feel comfortable discussing the entire situation with you, it's important to kind of respect that boundary. Just like Jody was saying, make sure that they are feeling safe in that situation. And next, ask what your child needs. This may not be what you personally want to do in that situation. We talked about before, you know, you have this need to protect your child, which is totally great. We love that. But going on like a vigilante rampage and <laughs> wanting to fix everything for your student right then and there, that might not be what your student wants. So kind of have that conversation. Ask, hey, what what do you want to do about this situation? Do you want me to help you call some people? Do you want me to help you report? Coming at this from the perspective of a team is really important as well. Just like we talked about before, just reinforce those behaviors of healthy relationships. Talk about what a healthy relationship should look at like, whether this be from example or from past experiences, and talk about your own experiences. I think like the face coverings early on, somehow that convo can get tense all of a sudden. And so I'll make sure that, uh, you know, we can all chat afterwards for like two minutes and I'll make sure I get to be an article or, or a resource or something to just get an idea about how the terms are being used. I know sometimes when we hear words like bodily rights and things like that, I think even the word itself can be triggering for a lot of folks. And here's how we're using the word. Same thing with face mask, apparently is why we started using the word face covering because it would get so tense or someone walks in with the big Bert and Ernie head on and you're like, not that, <laughs> you know, so you know, we'll make sure that we share that. But one thing that I've found helpful too, and typically in my experience, the person you're talking to usually holds a, a value that you hold as well behind that thing. So keep it light. Someone says, I just think Utah jazz. And you're like, why are they getting so intense? But underneath it, there's something that they're holding that you actually fundamentally agree with. There's just some reason that they think your particular position or team or political position or the topic even somehow rejects that value. But I think sometimes just being clear right off the bat and be like, hey, we both respect human rights. And here's my case of why I think wearing a face covering does accomplishes that. And I'd love to hear your reasons why you think that it doesn't. When two people or two groups or families understand each other, even if there is disagreement, it's so liberating. We actually know what each other <laughs> is saying. And it's easier to work towards good community and friendship and family bonds and, and re reconciliation when the value isn't missed. And I remember even having that conversation with someone. Well, if I'm sick and I get you sick, I'll feel terrible. And they're like, we don't, don't worry about me, bro. Well, no, but not just you, but the rest of humanity. And they just, it wasn't that they were bad people. It was just, they hadn't framed it that way. But it was nice because we were still laughing at the end of it. And it was like, oh, I guess so. 
that's something really take in mind. Most likely you're a student or your parent, there isn't going to be, maybe I'm needlessly romantic. I don't think we disagree on so many things on the deepest level. So that's always good. Well, this question's kind of tied into the last one, but what would be your advice to parents to make sure that these conversations are ongoing and not just around the holidays? Obviously, we, we don't want it to be a one-stop shop. I know for me, that means when I can think of that, it makes me talk a lot less. That's my weakness in this life. Because I'm like, I got to get it all out right now. And we have five minutes and I'm going to cover everything. And I think I've always found a sense of peace. Like, no, this is just the intro. And then each time we hit a season, maybe we can like add to it, but it doesn't need to all happen at once. And my wife has appreciated this. What would your advice be? For parents, it's normal if you hear about your child experiencing something difficult, let alone sexual misconduct, to be disappointed or angry or scared and to want to take action. And it's really important to set the stage of listening without judgment. Even if your student's choices are different than family or community norms, they are an adult who can make their own decisions. So if you listen to your child without shaming or blaming them, they are way more likely to keep sharing experiences with you. And even if they don't decide to report right away or take an action that you want them to take, we know based on studies of this issue that just by making that first conversation a positive one, start by believing, don't blame them, offer your support, ask what they need, what they want to do, and then only share the information in ways that your student knows about and is okay with. All of that helps strengthen that foundation of trust and positive conversations about these issues. And we know that if you build that foundation, the student's more likely to reach out for other types of help that they need. Speaking of ongoing conversations, we definitely want to have all back on and we can maybe do a follow-up after the holidays and we'll see how things went. I'm definitely going to apply lots of this. Thanks again and uh, go Aggies.